Geeks and Nerds presents Publishing Insider. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. You're listening to the new Publishing Insider spin-off series where we talk to publishing insiders to give you an in-depth insight into the secret business of publishing. We are the hosts for this series, Danny V and author Adrian Beck. How are you, Adrian? I'm great, Danny. I'm excited to talk to you. I've, I've been admiring this uh, this publisher for a little while now. They've only been going for a little while, but I've been very excited about what they're putting out there. Larrikin House. Now, Larrikin House is passionate and committed to creating quirky, original and humorous kid-focused books. Larrikin House loves children's books, stories with humour and heart. And today we welcome James Layton, who's the owner of Learning Discovery, one of Australia's largest booksellers to the education market and publishing and managing director of the publishing imprint Larrikin House. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. <laughs> we, we love what you're doing at the moment, so we're very excited to get you. And I love the picture books that you have coming out. And we've spoken to a few on the Words and Nerds podcast, so we love what you're doing. Oh, cool. We're, we're having fun, actually. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. For those that uh, haven't been uh, fortunate enough to check out some Larrikin House titles, what is it that you're doing? We keep saying we love what you're doing. How would you describe it? <laughs> That's a really good point. We're making it up as we go along. That's how we're doing it. <laughs> so are we. We're doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been a bookseller for 28 years and one of my staff members said to me one day, um, have you ever thought about publishing your own content? And I'm like, oh, uh, how hard could it be? And um, <laughs> turns out it is hard. Um, but it's actually, I, I, I liken it to, it's like a, um, a dentist who wants to become an orthodontist. I thought that would be the transition. It's like a dentist who wants to become a trout farmer. They're just, they've just got nothing in common, book selling and publishing. But it's been a lot of fun. Buying books is really easy. I buy books and sell them. That's easy. Um, making them is a whole new ballgame, but it's a lot more fun. So, yeah, we're having a blast. So, yeah. Well, right. I, I understand that it would be hard, but tell me the hard bits. What, what are the really hard bits about creating a book? There's a lot of There's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross. There's so much admin work in it. There's so many different data portals and metadata requirements for all of the different sellers all around the world because we sell we've got distributors in the US and the UK now so they all just the amount of admin work is mind-boggling um, the hard part is the hardest part is possibly deciding on a story up front we get a lot of submissions and this I didn't intend to grow so fast but word got out that what we were doing and submissions just started to roll in and some of them just made me laugh out loud. And I found myself saying, I can't not publish this story. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, but seeing then some of those projects then come to fruition uh, and trying to sell those, I realised I've obviously got a little bit of a different taste to some, some of the gatekeepers and uh, educators in the market. Um, I've been selling into educators for a long time, so I know there's a flavour that they do like, but... I guess this is a harsh reality that not everyone loves your flavour or, or finds funny the things you find funny. But I thought, you know what, if I, I, I love, if I'm finding something really funny, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, <laughs> you know, I'll die, I'll fall on my own sword if I need to, but it is what it is. So, yeah, that's, um, that's the hard part is, I guess, to answer the question is probably making that decision to do we really go with this or do we wait for the next story? And uh, what is your flavour that you're talking about? How would you describe that? 
Yeah, I think I'm a bit bent. I uh, I like sort of quirky left of the left of centre. Like we got a story a little while ago. This will give you a good example. Um, it's called mozzies versus flies, and it's the idea that mozzies uh, flies own the daytime and mozzies own the nighttime. And when there's a school barbecue at five thirty, they go to war with each other to decide who's got the right to bite the people. <laughs> I like that. That's kind yeah. of. I like that too. You know, I, I said yes. I rang the author within 10 minutes of reading that and I said, I want to do this. This is fantastic. Wow. Um, another one I got was zombie school teachers in the early days. It was um, it was just such a funny story where the teachers eat the kids. Or they <laughs> them. And I thought, this is so wrong. But so I my flavor is a little bit wrong. I guess that's probably the best way to describe it. I'm on the, maybe the other side of wrong, but hopefully the right side. But kids love that kind of stuff. Like you're talking about, you know, zombie teachers eating children. Yeah. Kids love that. Even though adults might go, oh, we can't read that. Yeah. Like kids yeah. love that. Yeah. The problem with picture books is kids don't buy picture books. Yeah. Parents and educators do. So a lot of the highbrow people don't like that sort of stuff. So <laughs> How do you bust through that? How do you get the books into the hands of the kids? Do you have some tactics to uh, to achieve that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've been importing books from the UK for a lot of years, and that's the flavour of stuff. The English are fantastic at funny picture books. They're, I think they're the best in the world at children's publishing full stop. But mm. as far as quirky, humorous picture books... They're really good at that, whereas I feel like Aussie publishers are a bit more serious. I, I think Aussie publishers probably, when it comes to picture books, want a little bit recognition or credibility, so they steer away from the fun, quirky stuff. Mm. So I've been importing that stuff for years, and I know educators buy it because they've got kids that uh, they want to, you know, they've got reluctant readers. So educators that we deal with buy books for a couple of reasons. They want, they want something in a story that they can find a teaching opportunity from. And they want the kid that hates reading to enjoy reading. Uh, so we come into the ladder of that. We're like, we're going to pump your library full of books that kids will love to read. Um, and that's our philosophy. We're not even really about educational literacy. It's like we want kids to love reading. And if they love reading, hopefully they'll be more literate and educated at the same time. Yeah, but that's that's exactly right. You know, if kids can't be literate and can't love literature, if they're not picking up books, so mm. they've got to read whatever it is they enjoy reading. It doesn't yeah. matter if, you know, we think it's, whatever we think of it you know they've they've got to enjoy it and love it because that's where the love of literature comes from I, th I think when I was looking at publishing especially in picture books I was reading a lot of them I was like would kids enjoy this book and I just had so many question marks I, I know why parents would want kids to read it but I don't know why kids would want to read specific books and I, I realise there is actually a really big gap. It's really good in junior middle fiction. It's They're not bad there, but in picture books, there's a real gap for finding books that kids would want to read. And I know we've got a market for it because we've been, we do book packs that go into schools, five or 6,000 book packs every year into schools, childcare centres, preschools. And um, so I know I can shift a certain amount I guess that was a bit of a safety net for me saying in publishing that if I print a few thousand, at least I can move most of those into my own school market, whether the bookshops do much or not. I do need the bookshops and I need the public libraries, libraries and things like that, but I'm not fully reliant on them. And it's lucky because if I was, this wouldn't work and I wouldn't be able to publish. Looking at the numbers after the first 18 months, bookshops and outside of what I do alone isn't sustainable. Mm. So I need the school market. Yeah. 
Right. So with the bookshops, I would have thought that the bookshops would be uh, very much embracing the books uh, that entertain uh, kids as opposed to the, the stuff that, you know, might be skewing a little bit more educational. Is that true? Yes, if we had direct contact with the bookshops. So I use a distributor because it's very hard as a new publisher to just walk into bookshops and start selling your own list. So I mm. use a distributor. Um, so I'm not the one in actual contact with bookshop owners. Um, so I'm at the mercy of the half a dozen sales reps my distributor uses to go into bookshops. Now, we sell our books into maybe one in every five or six bookshops. So five out of every six bookshops are saying no. You know mm. what I mean? Bookshops are hard work. And and when they say yes, sometimes they're buying in ones and twos. Like it's not yeah. massive numbers. The public library supplies are fantastic. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm finding bookshops really hard. Um, yeah, and I think it's there's a lot of books out there. So it's not just the quality of what we're selling. It's publishers, our bookshop owners are seeing so many books every month. That once they've seen the big six, all of the big boys, uh, it's almost like there's not much room for anyone else, you know, mm. the smaller micro publishers to come in and show what they're doing, you know. So I've I found bookshops really tough, yeah. I always thought, um, yeah, from the very beginning, I just loved what you did, what you guys do. I mean, I interviewed Scott Stewart not long ago, yeah, uh, My yeah. Shadow is Pink, and I just thought that was such an important book yeah. for kids and not, you know, you don't see many topics like that. I mean, that's something that's really yeah. important, I think, for kids to be themselves no matter what yeah. that looks like. That was such a win, that book. I, and as soon as I saw the manuscript, I knew because I'd thought about that topic before and I actually didn't think you could do that topic in a children's book. Mm. I didn't. And when, so when I read it, I thought the way he used the shadow concept, it doesn't touch on sexuality. I thought you're a genius, Scott. You've done it. You've actually found yeah. a way to communicate a concept at a low level to young people. Yeah, that was another one we signed straight away. That was a that was a real accident, even how we found him. But it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very clever. Very clever. Um, that's been our best book. We've sold it in eight different languages as of today. So wow, been- oh, yeah. fantastic. US have sold out. They want me to print more. I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> that's what though. You want to hear that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Now this is uh, this is something that I've heard that you say a couple of times is that you've made a decision very very quickly when you like a book and you've yep. almost rung as soon as you've read the manuscript. Yep. Um, I wonder, and this is probably for all those aspiring authors or you know even just a general authors that are listening to this podcast. Um, is it fair to say that if a project's going to get up, it's going to get up quickly? And mm. if not, if you don't hear for a little while, the chances are just dwindling away. Yeah, pretty much. I I think so. my worst decisions are probably the ones I agonised a bit over. I wasn't sure. And I possibly talked myself into a couple of them, thinking, oh, I, I like this idea. But the ones that I've loved the most and the ones we've done the best with, I knew within 20 seconds of reading the manuscript I thought I just something hit me about it. it's like I want to publish this and it's almost like I'm going to do this so um, that's why I'll, offer, I'll get so excited I'll get off the I'll finish reading and I'll ring them straight away like, <laughs> I love that I think one lady I rang within two minutes is <laughs> she started crying <laughs> <laughs> is that book out yet <clears throat> yeah it's called that was called Skadoodle and Snug's Magnificent Plan it's about two dogs that get the wrong owners. And they decide they want, they've got the wrong owners, so they decide to swap and they had to plan to swap owners. It's very, it just made me laugh. <laughs> it's like zombie school teachers. I, I decided straight away. Well, I, I, 
I buy books the same way. I get sent PDFs nonstop from the UK and I don't have a lot of time to decide. So generally I know within 30 seconds of reading something if I like it. And if I like it, I just trust my gut. Like everything, your gut's the best thing you've got going for you. And that generally, more often than not, that's the right call. Um, so if you don't hear from me, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it's not a good thing. I'm a ruthless deleter when... In reading submissions, um, I mean, we I don't get that many. I get 50 a week, which sounds like a lot, but if you walk a books or something else, they get thousands. So mm. um, I sit down on a Saturday morning and I can generally get decide on 50 within an hour. Um, wow. And I might, I might move three or four to a folder for a second look and then I've got people on the team that I'll run those by and say, what do you think of this? Do you think this could work? Could we match this author up with this person? You know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so my advice to authors is don't, you got to get someone's attention quickly. Don't, I don't read bios, I don't read synopsises. I just, if it's a picture book, I'm just, I don't even want to read page numbers or illustration notes. I just want to read a really fast, clean first read through of the story so I can get a feel for it. And then if I like it, I'll read everything else they've sent along with this, you know. Um, Someone contacted me once and said, I've got a letter of recommendation for my story. Should I include it? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> I said, because if it's a good story, you won't need it. And if it's a shit story, it's not going to help. So. <laughs> I like it. You know where you stand with James Layton from American House, don't you? You know where you stand. I love it. You either get the two-minute call or not at all. Hey, that's the new tagline. If that's yeah, that's right. That's fifty. That's fifty submissions in an hour. That's uh, yeah, just over a minute per submission, yeah. and you know straight away. Like some of them, you wouldn't be able to read in a minute. Oh, uh, some of them I don't get through. Like I might get four. I mean, I'm reading anything up to five hundred words, so they're not long yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I can get four stanzas in and just a lot of them are the same. So a lot of a lot of um, stories have the same flavour and I can tell straight away when it's a, an adult wanting to teach a kid, it'll start with, hey, kids, let's get off the screens and go outside and play. That's an instant <laughs> delete for me. Like, you know, like, You've heard it here first. I'm not, I don't want to preach to kids and I don't want to t teach them or tell them what to do. If it's got a message and it comes through nice and subtly, great. But So a lot of them are the same. They're, they're, it's You're reading the same thing over and over again, the same context, context, you know, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it doesn't take long. I mean, maybe an hour is an exaggeration. Maybe it's an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. But, yeah, a minute's about right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. They're, what, 250 to 500 words. So yeah. if, if you know, we spoke to HarperCollins um, last week and if they can tell within sort of four pages, yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable for you to be able to tell 500 words in, hmm. you know, two stanzas or so. It's sort of yeah. the same thing. Maybe, maybe it's 100 words, you know, like yeah. 200 words. Which so. is nearly half if it's a 250 yeah. story. Right. Yeah, yeah. And actually most I do read to the end because I want to see if it's as bad as it starts. <laughs> 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 there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot that comes through that are really one out of ten. It's really bad. Like some of, and then some. Then the odd one is fantastic, and then the you'll get quite a few that are good, but they've sort of been done over and over. Like monsters under the bed, fart stories. They've just been done so many times. It's a bit boring. Yeah. Um, but they're so, the hard ones, aren't they? Like, it's not the A, you know, you always know what's an A. You kind of always yeah. know what an E is, but it's that yeah. sort of B range or C range you're thinking, is, am I, I going to publish that? Is that where you sort of find it really tricky? 
Yeah, that, that is tricky. That's where I tend to go with, I'm a bit of a concept person. If I love the idea, I'd rather, I'd rather work on a badly written great idea than a really well-written poor idea because you, mm. can't, you can't turn a poor idea into a great one, even with mm. good grammar and language and stuff like that. So <clears throat> a lot of them, if I love the concept, I'll park it and I'll, I'll, I'll think, what would it take for this to work, this story? What does this need? What is that? And I'll think about it and I'll brew on it. That's when someone, someone might hear from me three months after they sent it in. So I've been brewing on it for a while and then I'll have an idea. <laughs> oh, I know what that book is. You know. <laughs> they are the rare, they're the rare ones that, uh, you know, they just need a bit of maturing like on fine yeah. wine or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, hey. or a little bit of workshopping. It's amazing when you workshop a little bit what comes out. Mm. And you can come up, we've come up with some really good ideas in an editing situation where we might do a Zoom meeting with the author and um, just some really good stuff comes out in that as you're kicking a few ideas around and you get an angle. It's like, yeah, this is what that story was missing. Go away, mm. fix that. And they come back with a cracker. So that, that's mm. happened a bit. Yeah, um, that's great. Uh, now, over 70% of your books are actually from first time <clears throat> published authors and illustrators. Is that an intent? Did you go and go into that intentionally trying to find new talent, or is it just no, the way it's turned out? Just the way it's turned out. I, did, I wasn't even aware until you know six months a year in that um, when I sort of someone asked me, and I actually looked it up and did the numbers. And I thought, wow, we're signing a lot of first-time authors because um, I again I wasn't paying attention to who was submitting. So, and because my history is mostly UK picture books. I don't actually know who's who in the Australian industry. So I've come into this fairly blind. Uh, I could have had first-class Australian authors submitting to me and I wouldn't have known. I might have done like that, delete, you know. Like, yeah, new authors and illustrators. Like, is it important to you to discover these new voices and these new uh, talented illustrators? Is that something that you, um, is an important function of Larrikin House? It is now because I'm enjoying working with these people. Um, they're really excited. Um, they're fun to work with. It's new for them. They're not in it for money. Like I've had people sign a contract within 10 minutes. It's like I could have I could own your house right now. You didn't even read the contract. You know, like, <laughs> I just get really excited. Lucky I'm, I'm honest. Um, <laughs> they're fun to work with. So I've loved working with brand new authors. It's really good. It's all new to them. It's new to us because we're still figuring out what we're doing as a publisher and how we're doing it. Mm. Um, so it feels a bit like a family at the moment. It feels like there's a bit of a tribe happening. You know, we call it the House of Larrikins. It's, uh, and they all communicate. We've got our own private Facebook group and they, we all, they, everyone communicates and they all buddy up. Like they've all, a lot of our authors have made friends and um, yeah, it's, it's really cute to watch. So, and it is, it is good to um, bring new authors into the marketplace because their mm. writing's great. You know, some of their writing's fantastic. They just haven't had a shot yet, you yeah. know. Um, a lot of publishing houses use their, their regulars and there's not always room for new people. As much as publishers might say there is, there's often not. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I love the idea of giving new people a go. I didn't realise it was as high as 70%, but it is, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what therefore defines, you said that, that they've sort of, there's a group that sort of um, found each other and become uh, bonded somewhat. What defines a Larrikin author or illustrator? Yeah, good question. Um, 
I think they're all a little bit risque in some ways. They're all, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell them to be take risks in what they write, like push that boundary and then go a little bit further. We can always bring it back. And they are often willing to do that. They're not always playing it safe, trying to, um, you know, and they're, I guess they're hungry. They all feel hungry. So they're all keen to get out and get into schools and do promotion, you know, go to bookshops and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's they. We probably what we've all got in common is I think at some level a lot of my authors share the same sense of humour as I do, because they've written something I found funny, and mm. so therefore we're probably on this very similar page humour-wise. Mm. Um, so that's the fit, I think. Yeah, I I think people that aren't funny can't be funny. <laughs> I think if you're not funny, don't write humour because it just doesn't seem to work. But some people are funny without even trying. So. Mm. That's like Danny. <laughs> Thanks. Now you are hilarious. Hey James, you mentioned the uh, the school people doing school visits and uh, you know dropping to bookshops and things like that. Do you take that into account? Uh, I, I guess you don't. It sounds like you don't take that into account initially, but then perhaps it becomes a factor later. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we'd we'd love to start our own author agency because we. Our main business selling book packs to schools, we're making a thousand phone calls a week to educators. Now, some of those phone calls end up in chats, and we'd love so we'd love to be able to say, hey, not only have we got this, we can now offer this, this, or this. And one of them could be, do you want an author to come and speak at the school? So we're in a really good position to start offering. Uh, or creating our own authors agency. We were going to start it last year, but COVID hit and everything got shut down. But now it's starting to gradually build up. But I can see a really good opportunity in that because the authors can get paid and, and they get paid fairly well for going mm. to schools. Um, and they can sell their books. So they can actually, because um, they're probably not going to make a living off, off royalties of picture books. So this is a good way if they do want to start to create a little bit more income out of this and, and make a little bit of a career of it, this is probably the best way forward for them. Uh, is to build a network of schools that they go and visit and kids love their books and buy their books. So, yeah, I see a massive opportunity there. We're just n not quite up to it yet, but we will be, yeah. Watch this space. Yeah, watch this space. We're working on book fairs at the moment. We've started doing book fairs. You're doing everything. You yeah. just started doing everything. I love this. I love how, you know, a tiny little company just starts doing everything. I really, I really dig that. So are the book fairs happening right now? Yeah, yeah. I, I did book fairs and book club 20 years ago and I sold it to Scholastic and um, thought I'd never get back into it. But we've got, we do really well in WA. We've got some really good advocates in the uh, librarian networks over there. And they've been trying to talk me into book fairs for a couple of years. And I gave in last year and started. And so we've booked 80 book fairs in schools just this year. So wow. we've got 50 in August in book fairs. <laughs> wow. I don't That's know how we're going to do them. But 80% of those are in Perth. So a lot of our actions coming out of WA. Um, so, yeah, that's it's actually working really well. And it's an alternative to the the other juggernaut out there that does book fairs is, you know, people want a bit of a break from them. So, as, again, it's just an opportunity that, I can't seem to say no to good opportunities. <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy. I'm actually banned from doing new things. I'm not allowed to do new things. <laughs> James, something tells me that nothing's going to stop you, though. If you get this idea, you're just going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. running out of money could stop me. I <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one thing that does stop you. But, yeah, I relate. It's like, oh, shiny idea, I'll do that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm the cat with the showing thing. <laughs> yeah, I relate totally. Now, I wanted to ask you, you have a Larrikin assessment service offering authors yep. the chance to have their manuscript professionally assessed by you. How does this work? I mean, I know you're not going to give us all this free advice now, but yeah. what can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I got asked to do assessments for one of the conferences last year and I had no idea that of what it was. I knew it was in my head what makes a good story, but I'd never put it on paper. So I created a rubric around what makes a good story for me and it ended up in five different areas that, that I, I look at and then 15 different points that I've rounded it down to 15 different things that are important to me in a story. One is the level of humour. One could be are, they, are your characters likeable? Uh, is it? I look at the crafting and the, all of that, but really, it's. It, I look at the concept and will it sell? And who's it going to sell to? Hmm. Uh, why? Why? I mean, something I, I don't think many authors know is probably over fifty percent of all picture books end up in primary schools. So hmm. if you don't have the primary school market, you've lost half your audience there. You know what I mean? So you have to create books. So I I found in doing assessments for people. I was telling them things they had no idea about. And it's like, oh, and it was just really helpful. The feedback was good. So I thought I'm going to put this up and I just need money for it because I can't do it for free because I've got no time. So yeah. I thought, well, if they pay me to assess their manuscripts, I'll pay someone to do admin work that I was doing and yeah. swap out. So, yeah, I got, we've, I've done 100 since I put them up in August last year or something. Wow. So, yeah, we, it's slowed down now. We, I get a few a week, but it's nice. And I, they all come with Zooms. I do a half-hour Zoom with authors. I did one today. And it's just nice to talk about the, the people I talk to don't know much about the industry. They don't know how publishing works. They've got so many questions. They um, Some of the things that I think are really basic are new to them. So it's 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 really helpful. It's actually a lot more helpful than I, to, to the authors than I thought it would be. Mm. So, um, I have to probably limit how many I can do because I just can't spend all my time doing that. But, yeah. Have uh, you uh, published any of those people, like the 100 people that you have spoken to? Did they end up yeah. being successful? Well, yeah. well, the Mozzies versus Flies lady, she was a regular <laughs> submitter to me and I knocked her back. I was really quick on the delete button with her. And then she did a couple of assessments with me. And the last one, I was brutal with her. I actually just said, you know what? You're fantastic at rhyme, but it's killing your creativity. It's like, forget rhyme. It's you, You're focusing. The rhyme's dominating the story. You've made something work match with elephant. Now you've got an elephant in the story and it's changing the story. <laughs> a lot of people are obsessed with rhyme. So I, I was brutal on her and she came back with mozzies versus flies. That's, That's amazing. why I it was so good. And then um, Sean Avery, a, a WA guy, did an assessment with me and came back with this book called um, Happy as a Hog Out of Mud, and it's brilliant. And he's an illustrator as well. So, mm. um, so yeah, I've picked up, I think, four out of the assessment yeah. service. How often does the rhyme uh, hamstring the, uh, the the idea? Do you see that a lot? It sounds like you yeah, 90% of the time, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. what rhymes with elephant? I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good question. <laughs> I made that up as I was going along. <laughs> oh, that's think, great. I think writers enjoy making words rhyme. They're not storytellers. They just enjoy language and they enjoy rhyme, but they're not storytellers, so you can't, you're, not, you're never going to publish them. But they love, yeah, it's a hobby for them, you know. Uh, and you can see that and they just 
But and then others you get, they just get fixated. They've took them a month to get something to rhyme with elephant or orange. <laughs> Purple. And now they can't let it go and it's dictating. It's the tails wagging the dog. It's now dictating <laughs> the story. And they've, I, I'll say to people in almost every assessment, write your story out in prose. And if it, if and that lends that'll lend itself to just better opportunities to create a better story. And if it if it lends itself to rhyme later, good, then make it rhyme. But if not, leave it in prose. Mm. That's great advice. That is really really good. It's advice. about rhythm too. When you're reading um, a picture book aloud, which you usually yeah. do, it's about rhythm. It's not always about rhyme. Absolutely. And I think unless you're a musician, you're probably not going to get the meter right either. Mm. So I'll often say, go and find a musician if you're not one or get a metronome or get someone else to read it to you or get someone to help you because you, unless you're musical, you can't, rhythm's rhythm, you know. It's, mm. you, you've either got it or you don't, you know. Mm. So <laughs> a lot of writers don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh, I love this. This is what this is why you people listen to this podcast, Danny, because they get the actual inside word here. So thank you, James. Um, speaking of the inside word, we always end our Publishing Insider episodes with an anonymous author question, and they're often hard hitting. Now, James, James, you don't seem like a man that's scared easily. So uh, I think we're just going to barrel straight into it, and we're going <laughs> to we're going to find out your response uh, to the following anonymous author question. <laughs> How much does it cost to produce a picture book? And who gets paid what when a copy gets sold? That's easy to answer. Um, it costs me 10 grand to produce a picture book. Um, generally, um, you're paying, like your illustrators, your illustrator is the most expensive part of that. You generally, and I'm paying at the lower end, I'm at about three, two to three thousand dollars for an illustrator. Um, cool 24 just pages? As an advance, you know, just as an advance towards royalties. So I yep. do a revenue royalty. So I split 25% of my revenue at a wholesale level. But I split the 25 between the author and the illustrator or someone who's both will get the whole lot. Um, so if a $25 book, I'll wholesale for 10, I'll get $10 wholesale. So the artist will get $2.50. Um, and I reckon... I, I reckon I make a buck fifty on a book. That's what I've probably worked out so far. So it's not a lot. Like it's it, it's on par with what the authors and illustrators mm. make uh, at the moment. Unless you do massive numbers, uh, we'll do better on a story like My Shadow Is Pink because we've mm -hmm. sold really good numbers and a lot of your costs amortise over bigger print runs better. So, but in picture books, you're printing two to three thousand copies on your average book. Um, so you need to sell the whole lot to actually make any money at all. So we've only got two books out of the 28 we've released in the last 18 months that are in positive cash flow at the moment. So, and apparently that's normal. So it's a <laughs> weird bloody normal, but apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, no, so it cost me 10 grand. The printing's probably cheap, cheaper part. Um, it's always amazing how much, like printing would be half of that 10,000. So you're looking at hardcovers around two dollars, two dollars fifty to print a hardcover. A paperback you can print between a dollar and a dollar twenty. Then you've got to ship it. <clears throat> I'm really giving away all the trade secrets, aren't I? <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's why it's called what it is. Publishing yeah. Insider. There's a lot of pigs at the trough. Um, <laughs> so we pay a flat fee to have the book produced. So Mary, my creative producer, which was the biggest gift I've found in this thing since this, we started, is she was the first author I signed and she goes, who's going to produce your book? And I go, I don't know, what's production? 
She goes, you know, who's going to turn your, your book into a book? I'm like, can you do that? She goes, yes. I go, all right, well, you do it. She, <laughs> Best <laughs> job interview ever. <laughs> and she goes, I've seen your website. It's shit. I'm going to fix that. So, yeah. She's Greek. And um, she's produced every book we've done. And she's a magician. At, uh, she just And she'll walk with the illustrator from start to finish until it's ready. to. She gets the files ready for print and then I kick in again. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the magic of why our stuff looks so good is because of her mm-hmm. uh, and we just picking the right kind of illustrators but so that's a, a cost as well so yeah there's not there's a lot of <laughs> it's not it's not cheap no yeah. it's a significant investment isn't it that's mm-hmm. probably why you know it, it's it's so hard to get a, a book published as an author yeah. because well, um it, you the publishers actually have to put a fair bit of cash on the line yeah, some of them cost us more. So we'll, we might do a big book version. There's another two or three thousand dollars. So I've I've signed fifty books now. So I'm 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 in for half a million bucks. Mm. Um, so without any real guarantee that I'm going to see all of that back, but I'm hoping I will. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. But so away. It's yeah. money you don't have on you. So I, it's money that gets tied up for a long time. So mm. um, it better work. well look i am a huge fan of larrikin house i love the quality of books you've been bringing out and the content as well and that's why when we were putting this series together i said i really want to speak to larrikin they are that small little house but i think you know they're going to be huge and what they're doing they're just doing beautiful things with beautiful books yeah a great vibe. The vibe we love. I mean, we do. We're we're kind of quirky comedy lovers. So, so we're we're your target market, Jane. We're bent, isn't that what you said? Yeah, we're bent. <laughs> A little bit bent. <laughs> but thank you so much. Honestly, you've been so frank. And I'm going to put this episode out straight away, so you don't change your mind. You want to edit all the stuff you set out. <laughs> but you've been very frank and very straight down the line. We love that because this is what this is about. You know, people are really interested in this series and about you know the the things that we don't usually talk about. You know, when we talk about books. So I really appreciate your honesty and um, your your candid way of answering the questions. I've loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, James. And, yeah, good luck with the, the next batch of Larrikin House books that are going to come hot off the press. Yeah, cool. Thank you. They're good. They're good. I, I can say that already. <laughs> and, and many many are coming up on the podcast. I've got a couple of interviews coming up on the nice. calendar for Larrikin House. Yeah, so I look forward one. to them. Nice. Yeah, good one. Thanks, Thanks James. Thanks, James. Excellent. Thank you. Appreciate it.